Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a derby. You never know what's gonna happen. single day I go to work I'm tired um but that's why you work in coffee I love getting up early as people who know me know I like um will get out of bed when my cats wake me up at four I will happily get out of bed at five and if I ever am sleeping till six or seven I wake up feeling like I slept in like whole day is gone yeah um it's kind of crazy um, <laughs> that's what happens when you work in a cafe and open a cafe at like 5 a.m. Yeah, I think part of it is that I've, I've spent most of my adult life working in coffee. Part of me lately has been wondering if it's just that I'm so extremely introverted that I subconsciously have skewed my schedule off of like humanity um, intentionally. I get that. To just like guarantee myself like a few hours a day of just quiet. Yeah. You know what I mean? It is the best. That's why yeah. that's what I truly loved about mornings. Oh, that's when I worked yeah. at Intelligentsia. Yeah. The first being the first one in the building was the best feeling in the world. Yeah, there's nothing subconscious about that. I'd love it too. Yeah. Um people used to think I was crazy because when I would open cafes or um even other jobs, yeah, I would come in early and I mean have to be there at five AM and show up at four thirty AM and just to give myself an extra half an hour just to have a cup of coffee and sit in the dark and just yep. chill put on your own quiet. music if you want music. Yeah. If you're feeling it that morning, put yeah. some jams on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to transition that into the football. I was th- trying to think of a clever quip about loving early kickoffs too. But it, we've already well established that I hate early kickoffs. Yeah, we all yeah. Yeah, as it's as much as we like being up and with that early kickoff. The games tend to disappoint. Yeah, yeah. to be clear, it's not that I hate getting up, but yeah, I just never like the game. Yeah, the games usually disappoint us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm still a little askew, I think. Um, I have finally, I think, uh, I have five, I finally, I know I have tested negative for COVID. Yeah. I'm out of the woods. Um, I think I still feel a little fatigue from it. Um, I definitely still don't have sense of smell or taste back yet. Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> it's such a weird feeling. It's yeah. a weird sensation to go through. Yeah, it was a roller coaster. Um, but as I said before, I think I am kind of glad that I finally got to experience like full blown COVID. <laughs> yeah, you actually got sick because you didn't get sick last time. No, I had no symptoms at all last time. Yeah, and I did. Yeah, I got super sick last um, time. Yeah, because it definitely eliminated like if I had any last remaining doubt somewhere in the back of my brain. Like, man, I think the libs made all this up. <laughs> uh, like, seriously, like, I know, guys, like, I'm in on it, too, but, like, is it, like, did we make this up? Is this I know, like, right? Is this all just, like, nothing? Did we really lie about this? Yeah. I mean, did we all just exaggerate it? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. But now... <laughs> I now can, you felt the pain. Yeah, having lived the last two weeks of my life, I can safely say, um, no, we did not exaggerate it. it no. Was not fun. No. Did you, did you have any kind of life while I had COVID the whole time? Uh, I was just working as usual, I think. 
I kept I somehow managed to avoid COVID, even though I was surrounded by COVID for the last Yeah, that's crazy. Ten days. Yeah. Somehow I haven't gotten it. Like Neo in the Matrix is dodging it. <laughs> I don't know how. It's not doesn't seem possible. Right? Alex brought home awesome, delicious, locally made ice cream tonight. I took a little taste, and guess what? I got no taste. Yeah, you can't taste it. That's unfortunate because it's really good. Yeah, our first uh, ice cream collaboration at Littlefoot Coffee, Tippy Cow in Granville. Tippy nice, Cow, nice little little local uh, ice cream shop. They started as like an ice cream shop that was just serving like, you know, like briars and like all the standard stuff. Yeah, and then they slowly transitioned, kind of like roasting. It was like they bought a little machine. And they bought a bigger machine, and now they're, like, going to try and do only their own ice cream in-house this year. Fantastic. Um, which is exciting. And one of them is going to be a coffee ice cream. Yeah. Plus, it no has idea. a sweet name, dude. Yeah, Tippy Cow's a great name. It's really fun to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a quality name. Um, quality ice cream. Anyway, there were one or two big games this weekend. Should we get yeah. on to the football? Yeah, we can get on to the football. There's plenty to talk about. Right. Plenty of laughs. I didn't write much of an agenda, but we don't really need one because there were such massive kind of results that uh, we can definitely do an hour on two games if we want to. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, let's start. We've kind of always done that. Uh, are building a tradition of, of talking about the game we just watched, recording on Monday night. Yeah, we, that's we, true. We just came off of Brentford Fulham, which was um, exactly the wonderful little game of football that we predicted. Yeah. Yeah, it was. We promised um, the loser of Liverpool versus Manchester United that they would get a little um, kind of chaser on Monday to wash it down. Yeah. Because this was just going to be a great game no matter what. And it was. Brentford won 3-2 at home over Fulham. I didn't didn't get to see as much of the game as you did. You watched the whole thing. I only saw the second half. Mm -hmm. But uh, is it did it seem like Fulham, the scoreline, flattered him a little bit? Because Brentford seemed like they deserved to win, and I know Fulham got like a late, you know, stoppage time, scrappy goal for nothing. Yeah, I think that's definitely a fair assessment. Um, if you just see this scoreline and you think it was a super tense game, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say it was necessarily like a really slanted game, but Brentford definitely had the better of it. They were on the front foot, yeah, and they deserved their lead for sure. And yeah, I don't remember the minutes either because. Um, of the bong he might have heard earlier in the episode. But, um, uh, yeah, Fulham came back pretty late in the game. Yeah, I 90, say, X, 90 plus 9, they oh, got their goal. Wait, they, but they scored. Fulham's second goal oh, was a 90 n- plus 9. Oh, so right, it was basically, right, right. you know, a meaningless goal. Got it. Okay. Um, what I remember most is that Ivan Tony almost scored an absolutely absurd goal from his own half. <laughs> he tried. It was all almost, so like inches away. Leno was panicking, backpedaling. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it almost dropped in. It was that would have been good. He slammed his wrist against that skate. He was running back as fast as he could, trying to get that get on that line. Relegation battle update: Nottingham Forest two, Everton two. Yes, points um, shared. Everton led twice in this game. Is this points dropped for them, or? I think so. I think so. I think this is, has to be based. I mean, on paper, Everton still has a, a strong squad of players. Um, that have been drastically underperforming. So they, yeah, it, to hold the lead twice and drop it, like that's that's uh that's definitely points dropped for them. It was a, it was pretty a good game though. It was fun. It was fun to watch what we did watch of it. It wasn't a bad game. Um, I don't feel like I watch Forest play that often. Um, and they're they're a decent team to watch. 
Yeah, you know, every time, you know, I've been watching more of Everton now, keeping a closer eye as they're in the relegation zone. Um, I guess not a Schadenfreude or whatever. Um, the end result is I'm getting a better picture of where they're at. And even though they keep dropping points, um, I keep seeing a team that doesn't look like a relegation team now. You know, no, th- yeah. they're still energized, and, and I still see more fighting, like a, a team that's kind of coming together. Yeah. yeah. So um, It'll be very interesting. I mean, that whole bottom half is going to be fun to watch the rest of the way. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that earlier today, too. I feel like every single year there's always one team that is well and truly out. Always. Like, by this point, 15 points adrift of everyone else. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? A team that literally, you look at the table and they have, like, 13 points, and you're like, how is that possible? Like, they're already gone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's not that team this year. It's actually really tight still in the bottom five or six. Yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic. It's fun. Um, I hope it stays that way right up to the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hope so, too. I hope that fight continues. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's going to. Every time you see one of these teams seemingly pull off a result that might see them move away, they get pulled right back into it. Speaking of, like, well, relegation zone, uh, West Ham, Brighton. So West Ham are, you know, they're sitting 16th, but they're not far out of the relegation zone. So they have 23 points. Everton are on 22 now. So they're right in the middle of that fight, and they got taken to pieces by Brighton. <laughs> um, I only saw the highlights of this game, so I don't know if it was you know a hundred percent dominance. But based on the highlights of this game, Brighton had some beautiful goals. All of their build up play and everything looked amazing. Yeah, West Ham. I guess I kind of forget in my head that West Ham are down there. I'm used to them now, kind of being a solid team, and like thinking of them around eighth, ninth place. Well, they had a big win last week. They won 4-0. Oh, yeah, they so did. That's over, right. Was it Southampton? Did they win? Let's see. Scroll back. Yeah. No, Forest. So they, they beat Forest 4-0. So there's a fun little rotation going on down there. Um, they had a massive win for them, 4-0 against Forest. Um, and then they had that result flipped on them this week. Against a much better Brighton team. If, if they hadn't had that result, which was completely out of character against Forrest, I don't. I think this is kind of exactly the result you would have predicted. Yeah. In Brighton West Ham, because this Brighton team's awesome. Yeah. It's funny we were we were um, worried for them at the beginning of the season when Potter left. Yeah. And Deserby seems to have really kind of taken the ball and run with it. Yeah, he picked up right. It's like he never left. Yeah. He picked. They picked up right where he left off. Yeah. Um. Which is good. I was. I'm happy because I like that Brighton team. It's crazy how um, you can really see in and out down to the bones of that club, like how healthy that club is. They seem to have a, um, a system in place like the best run clubs of Europe do. Yep. In which they know, they know what they need, and they find like the tools and you know the personnel yeah. they need. Like Deserby, I'm saying, fits into their system perfectly. Yeah, they knew the squad they had. They made it the right sign. The right signing for the fit for those players and he just fit right in like yeah. nothing changed yeah it's it's awesome man. um and they do the same thing with players they just shift they're another one of those clubs that just like shifts players in for a cheap fee sells them for a big fee and then finds just another great player yeah their scouting system's fantastic in the last say three years four years i don't i don't think you can argue anyone has done it better no they've been phenomenal I and mean, even now like i'm looking at matoma scored that dude has been unbelievable this season. Where do they find him from? I know. I'm mad about it. 
I'm, I'm like, as much as obviously <laughs> I love Trossard and I think that's a great signing. Yeah. I'm like, man, I really wish we would have signed Matoma too. Right. But yeah. And then also just a funny note is Danny Welbeck scoring. I love any time Danny Welbeck pops up with a goal. <laughs> he got their fourth. That's okay. That's a good fun. That's a good note for Arsenal fans, I suppose, or even Manchester United fans yeah. that have a, a good memory. They might have a fond memory from some of them. Yeah. Although he scored against them in the FA Cup and knock them out right after he signed for us, I think. How bad does it have to get at West Ham before it's time for Moyes to go? That's a good question. Yeah, it's tough to say because he has such a, you know, he's built up such a reputation. Um, he's a good manager for. It's always condescending to say a club of that size because West Ham have obviously been a massive club, but yeah. they've also been a championship club in recent history. Yeah, exactly. And more people probably know them as that than as, you know, as as American soccer fans, you know? Right. We know them as the club they are now more than their historic, uh, you know, massive status. Um, but, yeah, no, he's he did it at Everton so long ago, but do you think he's still just riding that? that high of his like overachieving Everton teams. I don't know. Do his West Ham looked legit for a while. At least it's true. You think his tactics just like, like his one of those managers just burns out with the players. Mm. Like people just fall out of love with them or get annoyed with his, his team talks or whatever. I really don't know. Um, I guess I asked the question without having any kind of answer um, because I can't speak to really the inner workings of West Ham right now. Yeah. Um, I don't really even know in terms of their squad how long everyone's been there if it's just as simple as needing a refresh like Liverpool so obviously do. You yeah, know? It could yeah. be something like that. That's true. Um, so I'm not trying to throw Moyes under the bus here or anything like that. I really don't think I, – I can't see him going unless maybe they get relegated then he leaves. Right, right, right. I don't see them firing him before the end of the season. Yeah, that kind of seems like the means. obvious line to draw, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think you just got to put your faith in him getting out of this trouble and then trying to rebuild for next season. Chelsea got their first win in quite a while. Yeah. Um, it's a funny win in that none of their attackers have still have, scored a single goal. Yeah, they still haven't scored a goal. It was, they won 1-0 to a Leeds own goal. Um, to be fair, I, I feel like Joe Felix, I watched that game, and he rang the, the bar a couple of times. It looked like there were some amazing shots, but still funny that they haven't scored. Yeah, I know. Those are the most fun times to talk shit when um, there was definitely just an element of bad luck to it. Um, and we've already kind of backed Jao Felix here. Yeah, um, I think he's a good player still. We want him on the open market, so we want him <laughs> missing those chances. Yeah, we yeah. don't because don't, Bully didn't watch the game. He probably doesn't know. No, he I hope he's well. not paying attention. He's just the... he's just checking in with the headlines. He didn't score yep, any no goals. goals. He missed a couple chances. We're paying okay. him seven hundred and fifty thousand a week. Yep. Nope. A week. Gone. He didn't score any goals. That's all. Yeah. That's what we want that's, to be happening behind the scenes. Yeah. That's the fantasy that's playing out in my head. Yep. <laughs> need. Yeah, I need him to move somewhere way better than that. I like him as a player. Yeah. Chelsea have a handful of players I really like. Liverpool getting linked stronger and stronger with Mason Mount by the day. Chelsea fans reach out. I don't know how to feel about that, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, another player we've seen ups and downs of so far. In its flashes of brilliance, maybe Klopp can get him dialed in. This episode of Soccer Situations is brought to you by Littlefoot Coffee. 
I mean, what can I say about Littlefoot Coffee? Um, they're not just friends of the pod, they're family of the pod, quite literally. Um, Alex started Littlefoot years ago after more than a decade of roasting experience, um, roasting coffee for some of the hottest, most fashionable, and uh, most importantly, tasty specialty coffee roasters in America. My favorite thing about it is that it's just really high-grade coffee without a drop of pretense. You're not going to find a bunch of weird, savory notes that the roaster is passing off as intentional. It's just really sweet, comforting flavors that everybody wants in their coffee. And now, for a limited time only, you can get 15% off at littlefootcoffee.com. Promo code situations. Once again, you can get 15% off at littlefootcoffee.com using the promo code situations. Yeah. You know, maybe uh, maybe he just needs a new lease on life. Chelsea could be a draining place to play, honestly. I like what I've seen from Mason Mount. I definitely yeah. wouldn't have an issue. Um, Depending know, on the fee, I think it's a good, maybe a good deal. Yeah, he wouldn't be leaving on a free. I think he'll have six months left on his contract this summer. I still bet you could get him for fairly cheap if he doesn't want to stay. You'd imagine so, but yeah. Um, I, don't I mean, know. cheap as in you're going to pay like thirty, forty million still probably for a player who's six months left on his contract, which is absurd. But right. At you least know. there is some transfer history between the clubs. So That's sometimes true. with the big clubs. There's an extortionate fee added just because the clubs don't want to do business with each other. Yeah, yeah. And that I can't see that. Well, frankly, Chelsea don't really have much choice but to sell players in the summer. That's a, actually a, a huge point. Thank so, you for the reminder. We've been talking about that since the dawn of the pod. Yeah, so you know, you do kind of have some leverage there. They do need to get players moved on. Obviously, they're going to want to get good fees for them, but reality is they've got to move two or three out of that front line at least. So, um, all right, that's, might not be a bad that's move. a great analysis of that Chelsea Leeds game. <laughs> um, let's talk about Wolves one, Tottenham nil. Oh, the only note I have is funny Super Mario goal from Traore. Yeah, that's really the only thing I remember about the game at all is the Traore <laughs> moment. I remember him coming on covered in baby oil, and I commented on that because yeah. it looked like it was all over his kit as well. And I was like, how do they let him do this? Yeah, um, I did watch that game, and it had a pretty binary switch. Um, Tottenham pretty well on top in the first half. They kind of wore themselves out, a kind of a classic rope dope scenario, to be honest. Uh, Wolves made a few key substitutions, uh, Traore being one of them. Yeah. And it was a firing squad in the end, the last 20 minutes of that game. That's Wolves what you were said, just yeah. going at it, dude. Yeah. They could have easily had a handful. In the end, the one they got, yeah, it was a funny, uh, Funny goal, though. I just have this image of Adama Traore stuck in my head, jumping like uh, old school, like NES Mario, where he only really has two poses when he jumps, his arms go out, and his yep. legs go out. Cha-ching! And then you his know? Like, little foot yeah. went forward and hit the ball. Yeah, he did like a funny little jump kick uh, and scored a hell of a goal. Yeah, it was a beautiful goal. Yeah, and it was a massive, massive three points for Wolves. Huge, huge. And a uh, tough break for Tottenham. <laughs> It was a tough break for Tottenham. I guess, not really, because um, they had their chances, didn't really take them, blew themselves out. Um, Conte's um, game management from the, in terms of trans, or, uh, substitutions and bench management didn't really make sense to me. I don't know, it just felt like Lopetegui uh, made better adjustments. It seems like uh, Conte set, like, wound him up and set him out there and let him do their thing. 
you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There was no real thought process behind it. He was just like, here you go. Go out there and do a job. No, let's talk about uh, Manchester City 2, Newcastle nil. Yeah. Um, I expected a lot more from this game. Yeah, same. Newcastle coming off a tough loss in the League Cup final. Yep. That was a big one for them, their first cup final, or a chance for their first trophy in over 50 years, I think. Yeah, huge. Um, huge moment for them. So obviously a big letdown coming off of that, but you would think they'd be wanting to bounce straight back with a big result. And yeah, it kind of just, I, I, get, I don't remember a ton about the game, but I think it's mostly because it wasn't all that interesting of a game. Um, definitely overshadowed by some other uh, matches this weekend. Yeah, you know, Foden, Foden scored in the 15th minute to give City the lead. Um, and I kept waiting for Newcastle to, like, you know, get a spark of life and start. Because they can, when Newcastle streams forward quickly on the counter, they, they're deadly. But it seemed like there was weird lineup choices by Eddie Howe. Um, it seemed very, very conservative and almost scared, which I didn't expect. Yeah, I remember us just absolutely ranting that he had Callum Wilson and Anthony Gordon on the pitch and San Maximin and um Isaac. and Isaac on the bench. No, it doesn't make any sense. That's insanity. Um Yeah, it was just a weird, weird lineup. Or like only a British coach can make those choices. And like Chelsea you know, Newcastle had two clear cut chances and Callum Wilson completely missed it uh, a chance easy chance and then joel linton later in the game had one go right under his foot both of them probably right. seven yards out square right in the middle of the goal yeah that joel, beautiful ball joel linton in. one was egregious yeah beautiful ball into him into in the space in between the defenders and they both just fluffed it so they had their moments but it was just a weird weird lineups unexpected i was expecting more from newcastle um, and then, yeah, Bernardo Silva's goal just seemed too easy. It almost just seemed like he just kind of popped up in the middle of the box and then just poked it into the goal. That's one of those Manchester City goals, isn't it? When they're clicking, that's how their goals look. It yeah. just looks like a, a blueprint, like a diagram of football. Yeah, yeah, it's just ball, pass, pass, pass. And then there's somehow always a guy in the middle of the box. Just, just right open, in the right place. Just tapping it in. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, that was that was basically it. Once they got that second goal, Newcastle didn't have much to offer. No. So City keeping up the pressure on the title race? Yeah, keeping the pressure on um, with five points still, the gap, but right. still have to play Arsenal again. So The other team from Manchester did not keep up the pressure as well this weekend. No, no. I think uh, everyone was predicting... <laughs> I think it was a two-horse race before this, but I think people, a lot of people in the media want to talk about United as the third horse in that race. There's a whole industry of people um, crouched and waiting on the starting line to fire up their Every credit card readers for Manchester United to be a success again. Yep. Um, but, um, you know, b because, um, again, we had um, a really great preview episode uh to this game uh thanks again to graham for coming on yeah, um, yeah. it was super super fun it was it we was hope great. to have him on again yeah we're definitely gonna do more of those uh, so i feel like i want to preface this talk by saying i uh, apologize apologies in advance to all my man united friends um oh yeah they, I mean, they're hurt, they're hurting deep <laughs> you know, right now yeah graham paco 
Dylan or Logan. I uh, can never remember which of the twins supports United because <laughs> they have intentionally confusing Instagram handles oh, in which they both have the same name. Um, but anyway, you guys, I'm sorry, you know. Um, but, you know, sometimes you gotta. each team's got to have their day. I was going to say, um, we we won 7-0 against Manchester United. I have the right to enjoy this a little bit. Yeah, y- you yeah. all would bask in it as well. Yeah. You know? I'm going to keep it classy. I'm not going to really, like, roll around in it or anything. Um, <laughs> and you could. You but could. we got to talk about it. It was fun. Yeah, it was and fun, and it was shocking. Talking about it. it was truly shocking. I wasn't, you know, I, I made a joke on Instagram already about how I have to have a tradition of having flattering Man United episodes before the Derby now <laughs> because we had literally a historic result. But, um, no, I was not expecting that. I was truly expecting us to get beaten. I can be quoted directly as saying I feared a mauling such as uh, the 5-0 we gave them in Old Trafford. Um, yeah, it's true. You did say that. There was a mauling. Yeah, just we, the other way. We just gave it again. Uh, we like to give a mauling. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we just we just watched back the extended highlights not long ago. And, you know... <laughs> I I've watched the game in, in, Todd, in Todd was frustrated and, uh, frustrated with watching the first half highlights where they only showed United chances for the entire first half highlight section. Yeah, again, <laughs> again, reminders that apology I already gave, so this is a free pass. But there's going to be kind of a recurring theme of my conspiracy theory of the way the media handles Manchester United um, <laughs> throughout this conversation. <laughs> and Alex just pointed out the one thing. I watched the game in its entirety um, again today, this morning. Before me and Alex recently just watched extended highlights, and Liverpool have some brilliant passages of play in that yeah. first half. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, that one that ended in that curling, uh, kind of tame Robertson chance in particular. Um, just and they didn't show any of that in the highlights package. No. All they showed were United attacks because they're trying to shape the story that United was kind of the dominant team in the first in the first half, half of the game. And then it flipped, which annoys but, me. Yo, I, you're 100 right, but I do like feel like there were more chances for United than I remembered. Oh, no, no, no. I, yeah, um, <laughs> I was very aware of those United chances. Yeah, yeah. They were terrifying. That, um, the Bruno header across goal. That, that looked like it should have gone in. Yeah. 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 Um, no, they had their chances. Um, I remember saying, like, in you know, in my nervous moments watching the game. Oh, but they've got this unit has firepower though. Yeah. You know, no matter, and it, it's funny because again, in my defense, I was saying that because Liverpool were having really sustained spells of pressure. Really, really, um, you know, we were pressing high. We were regaining possession in in the sure. final third again, like we used to. Um, but, yeah, United were carving out the best chances of the half on those counterattacks. I'm not denying Yeah, they that. were lethal on the counterattack. Yeah, yeah. Um, clearly going to be dangerous, at least in that first half. They were they were going to take chances. Right. But. And then just a few minutes before half, um, Andy Robertson, he, he plays like a Tasmanian devil, but he shows, like, such good intelligence and patience, such good patience to hold this ball and kind of move himself inside and yeah. wait for that gap to open. And he plays this perfectly vertical ball through the channel um, that Gakpo runs onto. Yeah, it's a beautiful ball. Such a good ball from Robertson. Um, and then Gakpo does like what Dutch wingers, he does like cardboard cutout Dutch winger activities. Yeah. Cuts inside and just hits it to the far post. It's a beautiful finish. 
Yeah, yeah. It's lethal stuff. Classic, classic winger uh, coming in from the left. Right. Beautiful. The run and everything. Perfect. Exactly what you would draw up when you're like thinking of like yeah. what you want your winger to do to score a goal. So, yeah. So it's good. like perfect. Yeah. In all honesty, not a lot United could do about that one. No. It was a beautiful ball from Robertson, perfectly weighted. Um, again, as I said, he, he found the perfect gap, and that finish was so great. Um, that took us to halftime. Um, on the other side of half, we scored almost immediately. Uh, not such a beautiful goal, a little more of a scramble and uh, um, kind of a, fin- uh, a bundled header from Darwin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, still, like, a, yeah, n- it, not like the pretty buildup. But I think the ball from Elliot was a nice to pick out Nunez in the middle. Yeah, uh, it was a nice ball. It was. Um, uh, <laughs> it was very Harvey Elliot ball. Yeah, um, like chaos. The play was, but... I think started from a failed cross, and the so. ball fell to Elliot, and he put it back. He kind of just hammered a ball across the six yard box. Yeah, um, right on Nunez's forehead, basically. Yeah, but I'm not saying he didn't know anything about it. He knew Nunez was standing there, and yeah, he, and he he got the ball to him as quickly as he could. Yeah, and it was easy. Yeah, in the end, it was an easy finish. He just yeah. headed it in, basically, to an open net. Right. Um, let's move straight on to the third goal. Why not? Yeah. Uh, there's a little bit of time between these goals, but we don't need to cover every minute of the game. Uh, the third goal is my favorite of the bunch. Uh, back to Cody Gakpo. Um, he actually starts the play. Um, yeah, from hits like a, hits a nice midfield ball um, diagonal out wide for Salah to run onto. At first, I was worried he sent Salah a little bit too far wide. Yeah, it seemed like he might have. Um, but the play was salvaged by this incredible dribble from Salah that sat Sancho Martinez on his ass. Yeah, it spun him around, and then he fell over. Then he can't, he, when he turned back to face Salah, he was gone, and then he fell he over, tried basically. He and like, slipped and <laughs> fell. Um, and, and right as he's falling, Salah slips this lovely little through ball. Um, Gakpo, who had made the original through ball onto Salah wide, um, continued his run, runs onto Salah's uh, return ball um, right about at the goal line. Yeah, pretty tight. It was very tight. Super tight. Could have um, you would you could have think that like that was it was gone for him at that right. point. David De Gea closing down the near post. And he just hits this lovely little chip that arcs over De Gea and just curls just inside. Such a classy finish. Um, yeah, I think Alex heard me make some like weird sounds when this goal went in. I remember <laughs> going like, oh, ah, kind of, <laughs> one of those, right? Um, and every replay, of the goal just looked better and better. Yeah. Um, there was one angle on the re- where you, it just really showed how that ball arcs so perfectly, like a rainbow over to perfectly over him, just like so tantalizingly out of his reach. Yeah, because you can't really tell from the angle of the replays, but I know there is like Varane's kind of back. Mm-hmm. So if he flo- if he floats that too high, there's a chance Varane or somebody could get in the air and clear it out. Yeah, so it had to be deft and like just over him and. It was perfect. It was flawless. Yeah. It was so beautiful. And the way he just con- he continued his momentum as it arced into the net, his momentum carried him to stand perfectly in front of the cop. He just stood yeah. with his arms out in front of the cop looking at it. Um, that was for me, and I think for a lot of Liverpool fans, that's the moment where um, we can finally like cease our mourning for Sadio Mane. You know? Yeah. Like, Gak- yeah. Gakpo is one of us now. Like, yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a good feeling. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good feeling when you're you're trying. You know, you're refreshing your front line. Yeah, and you see two of them start clicking. Yeah, um, in a big way. Yeah, pretty wholesome moments for both him and Darwin. Um, I don't remember the order of God. Got so many goals left to talk about. Yeah, I know. Who right. got the fourth one? Was it Darwin again? Um, no, Salah. Oh, Salah. That's this right. is funny. His funny lucky bounce goal, but what a hit. Yeah, Salah <laughs> honestly got two goals served up to him on a platter. Yep. It's kind of what he's needed this season. Things haven't really, he hasn't really had the confidence to carve out goals on his own as he used to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's not burning people and creating beautiful goals that way anymore. This one, he was making a run, and I think it was kind of a broken counterattack and a ball. McTominay made a great tackle to break up the original pass. Yeah, yeah. And then um, we tried to play the ball in again, and it was deflected off another defender. I think it hit McTominay again. Was it McTominay again? Yeah, I think it hit him again as they brushed, tried to play it back in. just falls right along a running Salah, and he just belts it with his right foot his weak foot yeah he um, bounced per, like two foot off the ground like perfectly in the air and sat up for him and yeah. he just fired it into the roof of the net yeah it was the kind of ball that bounced in front of like even if you weren't a footballer you would just be so tempted just to smack it yeah know? mine would have gone way over the net but his technique was much better yeah. but right off the underside it of the was bar, one of those you just want to hit cannoned off the underside of the bar you know that made a great sound in the stadium yeah yeah it's a beautiful hit you got to give him that right um yeah and then we're back to Nunez for the the fifth goal. <laughs> Nunez, this was an awesome one, too. Um, uh, delivery from the left side. He makes a nice little run and um, sends a looping header um, to the far far corner of the goal, yeah. uh, far post. They were saying there was an element of, of luck about this because it came off the back of his head, but he absolutely meant this header. I thought it was brilliant. It looked like he meant it, the way he flicked his head back at it. Yeah, he flicks his head backwards. Um Funny header, not conventional. No, definitely not. Deadly but... lethal, and I'm giving it to him. I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was a good goal. Good goal. <laughs> hey, what's up, Leopold? <laughs> we got animal invasion. Unexpected. Right Leopold is it. Um. Um. Now, yeah, then Salah's the the next goal. Yeah, no, that was another <laughs> little kind of ricochet that just, just fell. Just bouncing up, around the box. Fell to the feet of Mohamed Salah in the six-yard box, and he just tapped it home. I was going to say, we need to take a break from the goals to kind of um, discuss what was happening with Manchester United's squad at this point in the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's been a huge fallout. With Bruno Fernandes. That might be melodramatic, but there are actually, yeah, the, Bruno Fernandes in particular. I mean, amongst... The, Amongst, like, legends of the club, it, there's been a fallout over the way the squad reacted to this result. It's generally, yeah, it's being said that they uh, essentially gave up. They folded and, yeah. and, and capitulated. Um, and um, it isn't just ex-United players. Um, the manager, Eric Ten Hag, called it an unprofessional performance. Yeah. He said this could not happen. Um, that's pretty damning stuff. Why are there suddenly, there are like, three pets all over i don't the know place. where the cats all the cats all came out at once um i'll keep an eye on the sound i don't see them causing any yeah, particular i think they're ship. fine what is wrong with you guys it's funny we're doing kind of a bad job of talking about this but um united's morale definitely flagged and um it was particularly evident in fernandez um I think the most egregious moment was um after liverpool had made a few subs and uh uh by setich was dribbling on the left, uh, down on the right flank, 
Bruno went to leave a pretty, like, cynical leg in on him. You know, I'm not yeah. even going to act like he was trying to play the ball. Basetic managed to dribble him and play on, and, and Bruno didn't even give chase. He yeah. just kind of uh, sulked and walked away. Yep. Pretty embarrassing stuff there. Yeah, he definitely didn't cover himself in glory in that game. There was a lot of crying, um, a lot of moments, yeah, where he was, like, complaining and walking away from the play. Yeah. Instead, while the play was still going, um, yeah, there were several. There was moments like that where he was like too busy complaining about calls not going their way. Right. Um, I've seen United fans defending him, saying that you know a lot of times captains are sons of bitches. You know, Steven Gerrard was dirty, blah blah blah. Yeah. Roy Keane, yada, yada. This is a different kind of dirty, though. Yeah. Those guys weren't dirty. They were they were fighters, yeah. but they were playing. They were playing the game. He, I don't know. I, I should have a more eloquent speech lined up if I'm gonna attack him because I know how much United fans love him. I mean, I just think it's uh, it's not a good look for your club ever. And as somebody who like, I mean, we not long ago had Granite Xhaka storming off the pitch and throwing the armband and screaming at fans, and you know we've had our dark days with with captains that weren't fitting to wear the armband, even like a bombing toward the end, just not trying wearing the armband out there. Um, but there's, there's moments like you expect more from him. Right. There. Um, you expect him to, I don't care if it's five nil already, you expect him to be yelling at players and getting them up for it. Right. Instead of just like sulking and, and adding to the negative mood. Yeah. I think you nailed it pretty much. Um, when you, said it's not a good look a good look that's a really simple way of saying it but really you know there's an argument that a captainship really doesn't mean anything in modern football obviously sure. the refs talk to everybody it's a pretty symbolic position um but the fact that it's symbolic means that it, it should symbolize your kind of what you want your team to ideally be and what yeah um yeah, you want it to be a kind of a vis- a visual representation of your club and your um, ideals. Yeah, and, and I think I think Ten Hag has to do has to do something about it. Right. Um. Not you know maybe in the locker room he didn't lose respect amongst his teammates or anything, but he it looks weak if he doesn't respond in some way. Yeah. Um to the public after that display. Right. Um, and there's gotta be somebody else in the line. Look at Martinez. They've got, and that's the next point I was going to make is they have so many leaders in that team. Now there was a period of time where they didn't have any leaders and sure, I guess give it to the best player because maybe he'll inspire people. Yeah. Animal drama. (laughs) Bailey, stop it. Bailey, come here. Um, you know, and, um, that brings me back to another point I was going to make earlier. I'm not saying he's not a great player. You'd be, no, an, you'd be an idiot not. to deny that. But he's definitely not a leader either. No, I don't think he's a leader at all. Um, yeah, it's you can't deny his talent. And I understand giving him the captaincy f- for that reason because he can, when things go well, he can lead your team. Mm-hmm. But when things fall apart, I think he's shown that he's not the man you need to inspire your, the people around him. Now, there's half a dozen guys in that squad that would be better in the role. Okay. 
<laughs> on to the last. We just talk about the last goal because it's a yeah. So due to um, the news, it's a fun one. I mean, just this game couldn't possibly have been going any better than I could have dreamed. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, you um, would have never ever dreamed this up. When we had three, I said, just give me four just so I can relax, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I needed four to relax. That's how much I rated United going into this. Yeah, it's true. You said that early on. You're like, I just need the fourth goal, third or fourth goal, so I can just chill out and relax yeah. and have fun. Um, With six, and that six so, like, beautifully and, like, satisfyingly split between two for Salah, two for Gakpo, and two for Nunez. It's yeah, that was so very satisfying. satisfying. Um. And then we bring on um, Roberto Firmino, who sadly this week announced that he would be leaving the club in the summer. Um, I can extend this podcast by 20 more minutes Talking just about waxing Bobby. poetic yeah. about how much I love Roberto Firmino. Um, I'll just say he's the single iconic player um, representing Klopp's era of Liverpool for me. Anyway, Bobby <laughs> comes on. Does his thing. Scores a goal almost immediately. Kind of a funny goal. Funny goal, yeah. Um, David De Gea, you could argue, um, could have done better with it, but it was a pretty unpredictable shot from Firmino. Yeah, I think he was – it seemed like he didn't know what to expect from Firmino there because he was at a tight angle, um, so you wouldn't expect the striker to really try and shoot from there. Bobby, a famously selfless striker as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And he probably does know that. Obviously, he's been playing against him in the league for years. Yeah. He knows – Bobby's more likely to do a back heel or some kind of flick or pass before he's going to try and score from there. Yeah, Firmino, again, almost right on the goal line, um, just outside uh, the post. Um, De Gea down covering the near post. Men in the middle of the box. Firmino had a pass to play. Instead, he spins 180 degrees and just fires it kind of right through De Gea's legs slash just past De Gea yeah, and the near post. Yeah, as he was, like, kneeling down, it went just under his legs. He just kind of left a gap. Um, awkward goal for De Gea to give up. Um, that made it seven for Liverpool, meaning it was the greatest ever defeat um, of Manchester United in Premier League history. Yep. Yeah. Pretty shocking stuff. Did considering, not see that coming when the day started. Considering a week ago we were talking about United – being back and being title contenders. Um, I don't think anybody saw this coming. You know, it was kind of a surrealist game, really. Um, I didn't see it coming, and I don't even really feel as giddy about it as I did when we won 5-0 at Old Trafford. Yeah. I feel kind of just like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like stunning. Like, it, hasn't, it's, it hasn't really sunk in. Really, it... really, I guess maybe just it's because it was so much less expected because of the context of our season. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah it was just a really, really strange result. And, um, I don't know if I've said this yet, but I want to say, um, I don't think this result means anything more than the three points. I don't think yeah. Ten Hag is a fraud and this is going to fall apart. No, um, no, I don't think Liverpool are back and all of us, we're just going to go on a rampage all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, I could see this waking us up. That is a remote possibility, but nothing is that simple. I mean, the one thing I will say is I do think this puts an end to United being in the title race. Oh, yeah, I think that's. Probably- but yeah, that uh, I don't think they're going to suddenly capitulate and just never win the rest of the season. Um They'll be back. Of course. Um, if I'm going to end this on a smug note, I'll say I did enjoy this as an overall statement that 
you can't just undo the past nearly decade of work that Klopp has done and what we've built here. And United can't just flip a switch and be back to being an empire builder. And yeah, so this yeah. was a pretty timely reminder. Um, I think I think every non-United fan, we can all unite and say that they kind of needed this. Yeah. Yeah, no, they did. They did need to be grounded a little bit. Um, there were too many Fergie-like, quote, Fergie-like revolution headlines on the BBC in the past week for my taste. Yeah, yeah, for results that weren't necessarily, like, mind-blowing results. Well, the team looks great. They're obviously drastically improving, but... Yeah, um, they're very much improved, and they're on the right track, and that's, like, the project. But, yeah, it gets... And it's not necessarily United's fault as like a Ten Hag or as a club, you know, mm-hmm. it's the English media. It's just always going to do this anytime they start to come back. Right. They're always going to be so excited to have their baby back. Right. Anyway, I think that just about covers that massive game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fun and unexpected. Just in my random notes, shout out to Luke Shaw. who played, I think, one of the balls of the season. Didn't come to anything. Rashford kind of flubbed the chance in the end. Oh, yeah. So that was Shocking with Rashford's form, too. I was just glancing at my notes and saw that. I forgot to mention it. It was. That was beautiful. Um, should we move on to uh, Bournemouth Arsenal? Yeah. What was it Arsenal-Bournemouth? Arsenal-Bournemouth. Dramatic, dramatic game. Yeah, this is a game that... Um, could have had potential to have massive reverberations at one end of the table or the other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, dive in. I yeah, just... so um, Bournemouth second bottom one yeah. coming in. Yeah. Um, Arsenal top of the league. Um, started in absolute insane fashion. Um, was it nine seconds yeah. after kickoff? Philip Billing puts Bournemouth ahead. Um absolutely insane we were sitting down fresh coffee made and before we could even think about it i don't even think i was settled into the fact that i was watching the game yet and it was in the back of the net yeah i was just like i was stunned yeah it reminded me of one of those times like that happened to me when Torres scored that great goal against blackburn back in the day and yeah, i was literally in the kitchen grabbing the chemex and you were like oh you missed a great Torres goal it was like <laughs> yeah, that. Um, exactly except this one was even yeah nine seconds it was insane, insane. Um, Felt faster than that. Yeah, funny goal. They, I mean, they clearly had a game plan. A, you know, that was a set play from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, quickly played the ball through the right, up the right wing, um, and crossed the ball into the box. And, you know, what should have been a fairly routine clearance just slipped right under Gabrielle's foot, who I think up until this point and even throughout the rest of this game, I think he's been brilliant recently. Yeah, that was a tough um, break for Gabby. But, yeah, like nine seconds of the game, I don't even think he was awake yet. It slipped <laughs> right under his foot. And I think that was just enough to throw off the defenders behind him, supporting him. And Billing snuck perfectly in. Sneaky little run right behind the two defenders to tap it in, basically, or fire it in underneath Ramsdale. Right. Um. So, wild start to the game. I don't think anyone really could have predicted that or could have been prepared for that start. And like I said, I think I said during the game, it was almost like it didn't even happen. It was almost like, oh, the game started again. And it was like, it was almost like there was a false start to the game and then the game just picked back up. Um, So, yeah, I think um, the game as a whole, I think Arsenal just controlled the game for the most part. Sure. Um, They weren't nearly um, clinical enough with 
their finishing um, through the first half. A um, lot of missed chances, a lot of poor decisions with shots. Um, so not I mean, not a ton exciting happened in the rest of the first half. So you, would you say you were feeling stressed at halftime or no? Were you pretty confident you were going to come back and do it? One still? nil down, I don't think I was stressed at all. No. Um, I think I had confidence based on form. Um, you know, we lose Trossard um, to injury, which is a bummer. But, you know, we do have some depth now, which is nice. We can bring players. Smith Rowe coming on um, was nice to have him back. And then also just nice to have some depth on the bench. Um, but, yeah, I think I was confident at halftime we could come back. Um, second half starts, Arsenal again mostly controlling the game, Bournemouth getting their chances, mostly trying to feed off the break. I mean, they set up in a 5-4-1. They weren't really trying to be too adventurous. But, you know, their set pieces set pieces are always dangerous. So they get in the 57th minute um, right in the center of the box, beautiful header. And put them 2-0 up in the 57th minute. And at that point, I was definitely stressing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, If that second goal comes in the first half, you're very stressed. Yeah. If they get a second second goal deep into the second half, it's exponential. At that point, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if we can just come out of this with a point, that's a huge result for us. Right, that's exactly where your three-point gap, you know, that's a huge result. We have to get back in this game somehow. And it felt like much longer at the time being 2-0 down. Um, But just five minutes later, uh, kind of a scrappy goal. Ball kind of bouncing around in the box. After, I think, after a corner, I think, it comes back and it's bouncing around the box. And Smith Rowe kind of just keeps it alive and heads it to the back post Mm -hmm. where Thomas Partey comes flying in and pokes it into the goal. Yeah. Um, Beautiful, beautiful moment. So I think, you know, two, one, all of a sudden the crowd, the place goes crazy. Um, You know, the Emirates is rocking. I think everyone's starting to believe they can maybe do it. Um, I did note to Thomas, as he's running back to the center circle, he pulls up his jersey a tiny bit to show something. He's at a shirt where he wants to show. obviously celebrate. He wanted this, you know, put a message out to somebody. Uh, but he's also so he knows how important this game is for Arsenal that he doesn't do the full celebration. He just lifts his shirt up a little and then puts it right back down and continues running back to his position. <laughs> um, and I feel a little bad for him that he didn't get to really celebrate it, but I respect him for his commitment to the cause. It depends on what the message was. If it yeah, was for no, like right. a cancer kid, I feel bad. Yeah. If it was, if it was I mean, like Jesus Christ or something. If it was, I belong to Jesus. I'm, yeah. glad, I'm, glad. I'm happy we didn't have to see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no huge goal, obviously. So two, one down in 60, 62nd minute. Arsenal's got basically 30 minutes to turn it around. And then the, the second goal, the game time goal, eight minutes later, uh, Reese Nelson has come out at this point. Which is good to see him back. Just a little note for him. He didn't get a lot of game time this season at all. Um, and then when he was finally getting game time through injury after Jesus was out, um, he himself got injured again. And the poor kids had a terrible record with uh, injuries so far. Um, still not a player. I, I think a lot of Arsenal fans would admit this even after his display. I think they're not convinced he'll stay long term. Um, or if he is good enough to be there long-term or what the plan is for him. Um, I think there are talks of new contracts for him, but I'm sure they're probably low-balling him with contracts right now. Maybe this this goal will turn it around for him. Um, but, yeah, so Nelson coming down the left wing, whips a ball across the box. 
um, unexpected man at the back back post, Ben White, with a funny little poke in goal. <laughs> um, classic goal where you're, you know, heart and mouth for a moment because he, he gets a good amount on the ball and plays it in, but the keeper scoops it out and throws it out. Um, and in live, it looked like it went in, but you couldn't tell. It was close enough to where there was no chance you were going to be able to tell whether that was over the line or not. Yeah, no chance at all. Um, and oh. I think Ben White was confident and went over, but even he was hesitant to start celebrating quite yet. Yeah. It's it's funny how well goal line tech works considering how bad they are implementing VAR. Yeah, right? Um, goal line tech is so black and white. It's so nice. The ref, you just see the ref get the vibration on his hand, yep. and he's just like, that's a goal. It's it's almost instant. Yeah, it was really fast. So you don't lose the momentum on the celebration. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think Ben White hesitates for a split second and then takes off running back towards center circle again. Yeah. And he's laughing the whole way back. You yeah. can tell he can't believe it was him either. Well, it's funny. Uh <laughs> Really, all I mean, without spoiling the the third goal, all three of your goal scorers are pretty unlikely goal scorers. Yeah, yeah. Today, um, and he the like, boys stepped up. The when boys they were needed. They did. Yeah, you know, Jesus is out. Um, and Kedia is out. Trossard was hurt in the first half. Um, yeah, I mean, they needed people to step up and get the goals in this game. And I, you gotta say, if you watch the game, Odegaard certainly tried his damnedest to to get those goals. He shot. I think he had. 11 shots or something in the second half of the game um, wow. alone. Wow. Arsenal had 31 shots total. These, <laughs> these aren't on target, but these 31 shots total. So he took 11 of those shots in the second half. That's amazing. Um, and if you watch it, he clearly was determined to score. Yeah. He kept shooting from outside the box. But in the end, so the Arsenal scored in the 70th minute. So 2-2 in the 70th minute. You got to be feeling good as an Arsenal fan having 20 minutes left to get another goal at that point. I think everybody in the stadium believed that goal would come. I think so. When the moment momentum is shifting like that and yeah. there's that much time left. And Bournemouth, you know, they're they're down in the relegation zone, so the confidence isn't high. Yeah. That kind of atmosphere. Um, it, it's set up to happen. Yeah. They're, it's going to be a struggle for them the rest of the game. Yeah, it's almost like um, dominoes are falling. So Arsenal were just pressure, peer pressure the rest of the game. So they get one last corner. So actually, we were just watching. I think it's either corner or set piece. The ball basically gets easily scooped up by Neto and goal. And it's like, I think it was the 95th, 95, like 38 or something like that, 96th minute. There was six minutes of added time. Mm -hmm. But there was some time wasting and some things that happened during added time. Um, As there always is these days. Of course, yes. So Arsenal, there was going to be slightly over the 96 minutes, but at that moment when Neto has the ball in his hands, I'm like, ah, oh, this is over. Somehow Arsenal get the ball back, back in their hands, back downfield, get another corner, take another shot, deflect it out for a corner. Um, so 97th minute, la basically last kick of the game. Corner comes in, ball goes out to Reese Nelson on the, the edge of the box. He takes a perfect little touch to put it into, his, uh, into the path of his left foot and just drives one into the far corner of the net. <laughs> yeah. And the place just goes absolutely insane from that moment on. Cleared on as far as Nelson has to get his shot right. Celebrations are super funny. There's a couple of players that collapse to the pitch when it goes in. <laughs> and then Saliba takes off running on his own. I think he thinks the team was going to follow him to the corner to celebrate. And he just runs off and kicks the corner flag all by himself. 
He turns around and no one's around him at all. Because <laughs> uh, Reese Nelson kind of just stands and doesn't really celebrate at first and just kind of stands and looks around yeah. for a brief moment. It seemed like he didn't really understand the the scale of the occasion <laughs> yeah. for a second there. I feel like it took him by surprise as well. He hit that in and we just kind of stood and was like, oh, what just happened? And then took off running. Um, but he was immediately mobbed by the whole team. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, obviously team, the coaches, the, all of the substitutes, everyone was on the pitch. Um, definitely a little out of control with the celebration. Um, <laughs> I mean, Richard Keyes would say it was out of control. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was amazing. I think that's an appropriate celebration given the context. To of be the fair, game. you got to say the, well, you know, I'll, contradict myself in just a second here but you got to say there weren't like 10 fans on the field running around or anything right that's the, true most of the fans were they were going insane yeah but they were in the stands going insane Nobody, right true uh the well one behaved. the one moment that is actually a very very funny moment if you can find the clip you should watch it um during the madness and the celebration by the bench um Mikel Arteta turns around and Without really thinking, I think it just instinctively high fives a child who is on on the sidelines <laughs> a young somehow. Child. A young child, a probably tiny, a five year old, a tiny honestly. little child. Uh, it and without really thinking, you can tell Arteta just so excited, turns around and just high fives this kid, and then but as he's swinging his right arm through to high five him, and his face comes around into picture again. In that split second, you can see he realizes that he just high-fived the child on the pitch at the Emirates. Yeah. <laughs> and his head immediately turns to, like, horror as he grabs the kid and tries to go find security to pass him off to. Yeah, he switches from <laughs> celebrating. You're like, oh, my God, there's a strange child here on the pitch. Yeah, I need to find kid this kid's parents. Randomly on the pitch. <laughs> and he high-fives them. It's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, um, better than Liverpool's pitch invader. Um, Liverpool had a teenage pitch invader oh, yeah. um, um, for the last goal celebration, I think, that almost injured Andy Robertson. And this poor kid got screamed at by Klopp um, uh, for his efforts. Yeah, um, yeah. But not to hijack the conversation. Back to Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no. We Yeah, we talked about that briefly um, before the pod about the poor kid not wanting or getting banned for life and how that's not fair to do to a teenager. Oh, yeah, the Liverpool pitch invader. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure that child is probably fine. They're not going to do anything to him. No, that kid's a legend, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, if anything, they're going to fucking – Adidas is going to give him his own clothing line. I know. He's going to be – yeah. <laughs> you know you know what he's going to be? He's going to be in the, the locker room for the city game doing the team talk. <laughs> he's definitely going to be on in the DVD if you guys win the, the oh, yeah. title. Cover the DVD, He's going to be featured. That's a oh man, what a moment though! That was um, hilarious. Yeah, jokes aside, massive, massive win for Arsenal. Uh, a loss would have um, put them within two points of Manchester City. Yeah, yep. or let City put get within two points. Within of two Arsenal, points of I us, I should say. Um, with um, a head-to-head face-off still in the cards. So yeah, that would have put a lot of pressure on y'all. Huge pressure, huge pressure. And if we, I mean, even a draw would have been massive pressure because we, I mean, we still have a lot of big games. Arsenal can't get ahead of themselves. There's still big teams to play coming up, mm-hmm. but it with it does make you feel better when you can lose your game to City and still have a two point gap now instead of have losing that game and having them pass you on goal difference, right? Um, being level on points, right? So that that just you know, obviously mentally that gives you a huge weight off your chest. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, the race is tight, but that was a huge, that felt like a huge moment in the race. Yeah. Um, Arsenal are starting to stack up these moments, these kind of fairy tale moments that I felt like kept happening to Liverpool when we finally won. And when uh, seasons are coming together, you kind of feel momentum gathering. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just keep getting these big moments that you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that happens. Yeah. And I heard, um, I, there were some people saying that uh, I think it was probably I think it was one of the United ex United guys like Neville or something saying that he thought these high energy high emotional moments would drain Arsenal, mm-hmm. um, and we would be a negative thing in the long run for this season for them. Um, but I think Martin Keown came out pretty much immediately and said like no like when we won in two thousand three two thousand four we had these moments all the time coming from behind. Yeah. And those those moments made you feel like something special was happening. Like this wasn't meant to be. So like if anything, I think these guys are gonna take it as inspiration that they can basically they've proven they can get out of the tightest situations. Yeah. Um, under the highest possible pressure they could be under. Um so yeah, it's interesting. I mean, this team is basically growing up before everyone's eyes. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see if they can do it, you know. I yeah. think a lot of people Neutrals, definitely, um, but a lot of fans outside of City fans will be invested in Arsenal's end of season here. I think so. Um, Especially, like, at least on our side of the pond. Like, you know, we're, as American fans, um, I think a lot of us would say, a lot of people, non-Arsenal fans would say, we want to see anyone but City win it this year. (laughs) Yeah, um... You know, just like F1 um, just kicked off this weekend, and um, Max Verstappen kind of strolled to victory. Yeah. And I was messaging Paco, like, God, I hope we're not in for another boring F1 season. I know. You hate when one team just looks like, oh, that's it. This is over. Yeah. Uh, it takes the fun out of it. And City have won four of the last five titles. It took a miraculous effort uh, from Liverpool to, to finally know, to wrestle one. the one. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you don't want the league to become that monotonous. Um, no, it's not fun for Maybe anyone. if a club organically deserved it and were just amazing, but we know the truth at Manchester City here. Yeah. You Even, know? like, those United club teams over the year, you got to say, like, they had a, they built those teams. Yeah. Most of those guys were, like, academy players. Right. At the club. Uh, we're not, I'm not <laughs> saying a sports team can't build an era of a dynasty. No, no, not at all. Um, And have that, that can be a thing. Artificially inflated team um, just dominating because they're not really playing by the same rules. That's a different thing. That's a very different story. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Um, where the issues come in. Yeah. We don't need to whine about it too much. Let's look ahead to the weekend to come. Um, We had, this was an absolutely massive weekend that just happened though. Just, just to recap. Oh my God. The Arsenal win, the, the Liverpool demolition of United, Tottenham losing to Wolves. Yeah. Uh, Leicester, Chelsea getting their first win in a while. Man, what a round of results. Yeah, crazy huge, weekend. Huge stuff. Um, Bournemouth has to rebound from that kick in the balls um, at home uh, hosting Liverpool. Yeah. Liverpool that, Liverpool that just hit seven <laughs> fast United. Yep. Um, do you think they're going to be able to put up as much of a fight as they gave you? Or do you think they're going to be exhausted and Liverpool have momentum now and we're going to steamroll them? Oof. Early kickoff, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, Liverpool uh, don't like do steamrolls early in the morning. They don't. Also, do you have, do you have Champions League this week or is that next week? Uh it comes back next week. Okay, okay. So you're at least you don't have that to deal with in the midweek. 
But yeah, I expect Bournemouth to do exactly something similar to what they were trying to do against Arsenal. Five four one setup. Yeah. Even at home. Yeah. I feel like they're gonna they're gonna wanna defend. Um for sure. Obviously we've seen now what Liverpool can do offensively. Um but it's a different prospect doing it against a team that's just gonna sit and defend weirdly and then to doing it against United, um, who want to come out and play. Right. Um, obviously I don't know. It's it's funny how that works, but in the league it's always you never know what to predict in those kind of games. But I would see Liverpool probably walking out winners. Um, if Liverpool take any kind of um, team spirit and momentum from that big win we just had, I think we should win. Yeah, you um, should win that game. Still. Otherwise, you know, if the Liverpool of the majority of the season show up, then God only knows what will happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you are a healthier team now, and things seem to be trending in the right direction. Yeah. So you should – you should see a, a fairly comfortable win. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, let's do predictions. Um, uh, James pointed out that it, it's boring. We don't. Basically, that's not at all how we said it. <laughs> but uh, people do like predictions. Yeah. Um, for uh, Bournemouth hosting Liverpool, I'm going to say uh, Bournemouth 1, Liverpool th- mm, 2. I was going to say I was gonna say 2-0 Liverpool. 2-0 Liverpool. Yeah. Okay. Um. Everton hosting Brentford. This is another one. I think one of the more interesting games of the weekend. Actually, we're not going to go through all these. We'll pick highlight a few games, but this yeah, is a cool yeah. one. Um, Everton. It's funny. I almost said resurgent. Um, they've still been dropping points, as I said, but I really do think they're looking better. They do. They look a better team when you see them now. Even in like losses or drop points, they still seem like a more. Yeah. More of a unit now. This game is at Goodison, which is going to be a key component of their survival. Um, however, they're up against Brentford, who are fighting for a European place. Yep. Um, they've been heavily praised on this podcast, which we all know is um, like kind of like Oprah stamping a book. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, it's true. No, it's we a love seal of approval. It's great. Um, th- you don't need us to tell you that by this point. Yeah, no. You haven't caught onto the Brentford bandwagon yet. Come on, yeah, figure it out. They're a good team. They're fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, do you have a prediction here? Um, I'm going three one Brentford. Hmm. Um, I think Dice is as much as he's doing a lot to get this team back on site. I think Brentford's too good for him. Yeah, I think Thomas Frank's a pretty savvy manager. Um, I don't think he's going to be naive enough to fall for dice tricks no and his no. team definitely has the talent to kind of uh brute force a win yeah i think uh with teams in everton's position i feel like they almost have an easier time against the bigger clubs mm-hmm. because they come in with more arrogance mm-hmm. and unexpected you know expecting to win whereas brentford maybe not expecting to win but they know that they they can win if yeah. they play their football even away from home, they can, they can, they should be able to win that game. Um, they might not have that cockiness that could get some of the bigger clubs in trouble. Right, that's true. It's a good way of putting it. Um, let's talk about Leicester and Chelsea, uh, two teams that are kind of floundering at the moment. I know Chelsea just came off a win against Leeds. Yeah, but um, not terribly impressive. Yeah, it's it's uh, only a little bit melodramatic to say both these teams are in free fall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they both haven't been able to put a string of results together 
neither team really scoring a lot of goals currently. Yeah, this is a tough one to predict. Um, it is. It is. I want to say, I don't know, like, does Chelsea get unlocked by that, getting that one goal and that win under their belt finally? And I'm still not convinced by Chelsea. However, I do think Leicester might be even bigger of a mess right now. It does. Leicester really seemed to be unraveling. And defensively, I think Leicester can be taken apart. Yeah. So maybe this is the chance for Chelsea to break out and their new signings to finally start scoring. Yeah, I might go Leicester 1, Chelsea 3. Hmm. This is a tough one to call. I'm still going to go. I'm going to go 2 1, Leicester. Okay. Um, I think Chelsea. I I'm gonna say Chelsea score first. Okay. And Leicester come back and win two one. Okay, right on. Um, Tottenham Hotspur host Nottingham Forest. Um, if Tottenham stick to traditions, they should smash Forest. Probably yeah. Four nil. Yep. Coming off a bad result. Yeah. You, um, would, you would say on paper, just in terms of squads, they're the stronger squad, even though Forest have like 70 players, I think. Yeah, they have a million players to choose from. You know, remove the context of any kind of recent results, and just on paper, Tottenham should be smashing Forest. Their form has been so hot and cold, it's ridiculous. But yeah. it's also been so consistently hot and cold that you would pretty you can much almost bet, bet on, on winning. being hot, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like my prediction, I think, is going to be 3-0 Tottenham. I mean, Tottenham, need they need a result here. So yeah. it is. It's an important game for them, um, to stop them from falling down into a tighter battle with Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool beating Manchester United means that um, they're only three points back from Tottenham with a game in hand. Yeah. So they are knocking on the door of the top four. Um, just a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, I was joking about intentionally. Um, I was like joking about looking at the top four as a Liverpool fan. Yeah. Um, now Tottenham got to be sweating it. It's funny. I actually went on the Tottenham uh, subreddit um, to see if they were posting anything about sweating it. Uh, if you ever like to uh, like just kind of bathe in some schadenfreude and other teams' subreddits, Tottenham's yeah. is always one of the funniest ones. Tottenham's is always funny. They had a poll going that just asked, are you still interested in our season? <laughs> oh, my God. In March, dude. And they're in fourth place. There's still so much to play for. They're still they're fighting for a Champions League place. They, they were gauging general interest in watching the rest of the season. That's insane. Right? I thought that was very Tottenham to me. It's so funny. That's also shockingly spoiled of Tottenham fans. Right? How long have they even been re- relevant in the top four contention? And they're they're bored of a title a top four race, right? Shocking. Yeah, I don't get it. It's pretty smug. Yeah, um, that is very funny though. Oh, I did. Did I say my score line? I didn't. Um, I'm gonna go two nil Tottenham. Two nil Tottenham. Got it. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Um, let's fast forward to Sunday. Um, huge kickoff. Fulham hosting Arsenal. This, Alex is gonna have to be less diplomatic about Fulham this week. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be a tough one for me. Um, I think it'll be a fun game. I think it'll be an open game. Um, <laughs> Bruce thinks Bruce has some things to say down there as well. Fulham are at home. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't predict anything but an Arsenal win there. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say a tight. I'll say three-one Arsenal okay. at Fulham. It's a tough one though. 
Fulham could could pull a shock result out. Because we just lost or watched Fulham lose, I'm trying to gauge. I'm I know, trying to, right? I, like, <laughs> I'm trying to, yeah, decide. Like, I'm like, am I? Are we about to see a, a little Fulham slump, or am I just being reactive to the game we literally we just, just watched? Watching? Yeah, yeah. It's hard to say. Um, I'm gonna say two one Arsenal. Two one Arsenal. Yeah, I I can see Fulham giving us a hard time um, defensively. Um, and getting at least a goal out of us. Um, it'll be a fun one, though. I think that's going to be a fun game to watch. Yeah, I think so. You know, in the past, I would have said uh, kind of a cliche thing about Marco Silva's team being naive and Fulham being a naive club, and this actually could be an opportunity for Arsenal to get some goal differential. Yeah, like going, we'll do a like four go or out five there nil. and spank them. Yeah. But this Fulham has really shown a lot of steel this year. It's true. Um, so... Yeah, I like wouldn't take team. it for I would not take it for granted. No, not at all. Yeah. Like I hundred percent agree with that. Um yeah, they're very much a different team than they have been in years past coming up. Yeah. Um so yeah, that'll be a fun one. I'm looking forward to it. Um the remainder of the Sunday games honestly I don't seem that compelling to me. We've got Man United and Southampton, West Ham and Aston Villa, Newcastle and Wolves. Um it's hard to see anything but Man United bouncing back hard against Southampton. I expect them to win by a couple. Yeah. Yeah, that that seems like a good comeback game. They're kind of lucky to be bouncing back against Southampton. When we were Liverpool were putting in those last couple goals, probably number five, six, seven, Southampton were probably like, fuck, man, take it easy. Yeah, they're going to get gonna real mad. They're going to take that out on us. Yeah, they're not going to look forward <laughs> to that one. Come on, you really needed to put a seventh past them? Um... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just just poking the bear now. Now they're all fired up. Um, West Ham hosting Aston Villa. This is tough. Um, West Ham are starting to look a little Southampton-y. Their last two results have been a 4-0 win and a 4-0 loss. Yeah, unpredictable team. Um, sitting just outside of the relegation zone. Um, I think, let me look at these. Yeah, I think Villa are on a bit of a... A bad run. So I think this is a big game for Unai as well to not get pulled down into that relegation fight. I mean, they're on 34 points, so in theory they're they're safe. Sure. Um, but they've been on a slide for sure. Um, so West Ham could pick up some pretty crucial points here. Um, in terms of uh, shifting momentums, Newcastle Wolves is also kind of huge. Newcastle fallen pretty firmly out of um, – the title race definitely, and even the top four race really, they're falling down into the top six now. Um, yeah, they've really, really kind of lost steam. Yeah, they're not far off fourth, but based on form, it seems like they're much farther off. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if how can get that back on track or if they'll continue the free fall yeah i don't want to prematurely write them off they still have games in hand they can definitely claw themselves right back into it um they've just haven't really seen you know at the beginning of the season they were so effervescent we were like how did this project immediately just be successful yeah how are they they instantly good what the (laughs) hell happened yeah it was it was shocking how good they were and that has definitely cooled off a little bit um but that's not to say it won't level out um yeah, yeah, no, they could they could turn it around. Yeah, but. and Wolves, um, you know, have kind of been a target there for the taking this this season, but yeah. have recently started to kind of glue some form together. 
don't yeah, know. another team that has um, on paper a very strong lineup, um, and maybe it's just like those players have earned credit from the last few seasons, but um, I still f- feel like they can pull a result out sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I would probably. Yeah, this is a tough one to call. Yeah, honestly, I'm gonna give the. I'm gonna say nil nil on this one. Interesting. Um, man, Eddie Howe's starting lineup so unpredictable. I'm like, if he plays Maximan and Isaac is up front, I feel like they. I'm gonna say there's gonna be goals in it. Yeah. I'm gonna say we get a wild one, and I'm gonna say three two Newcastle. I'm predicting um, a wild one. Cool. I would enjoy that. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, is that it for the weekend? That is. That's it for the prem. Yeah. Nice. Um, then next week we've got Champions League games coming back, and then even a little bit of Europa League. Europa League's back. Alex is super excited. I can't wait. I feel like we were teased because the playoff for the uh, Champions League cl- clubs falling out into the Europa League. <laughs> um, we had to wait for that to find out our, our draw, so I'm very excited to have Europa League back. Yeah, me too. Love European football. Can't wait. Yeah. Live for it. Yeah, it's a, the best. Cool. Um, all right, y'all. I'm back to 100%. Soccer situations is going to explode any minute now. Yeah, yeah. it's COVID. He's survived COVID. Um. Check out our website. We have a new uh, web shop up with some pretty cool merch on it. Yeah, there's some good stuff in there. Um, buying merch is probably the best way to support the podcast right now if you want to. Um, we're definitely not big enough to monetize anything um, in terms not, of yeah. streaming. Um, so, yeah, buy some swag. Yeah, buy some merch. And, uh, it, yeah, and it's actually really cool stuff. Take a look. Soccersituations.com. Yeah. Looks profesh. Yeah. Um, otherwise, do your best to share the podcast. Just yep. give it to one dingus. Um. Yeah. Lie about our cred- credibility. Yeah, exactly. Tell them we're experts, <laughs> pundits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, have a good week, everybody, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Bye. Soccer situation. Soccer, 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 soccer. Situation. Situation.